glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Acts chapter 23, beginning in verse 11. Now, Paul has been arrested here for preaching the gospel. He's in Jerusalem, and he's been arrested after a bit of a riot, if you would. Verse 11, and the night following, the Lord stood by him, speaking of Paul the apostle, and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. You just pause and kind of put things in their, in their place. Coming into this, Paul had said, I'm going to Jerusalem. He had been warned, even through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that things would befall him in Jerusalem. And his response to that was, I'm ready to die for the Lord at Jerusalem. I think Paul thought very much he would die at Jerusalem and would have counted that an honor to die in the same city as his Savior had died. But that was not God's plan for Paul. God did not, he was not done using him. And that's what he's going to tell Paul here is, you're not done. Be of good cheer. I want you to preach at Rome also. Verse 12, And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Let me just stop again. There's a bit of a conflict. God says, they're not going to kill you here. You're going to preach at Rome also. They say, we're not eating and drinking until he's dead. These poor people are going to starve to death if they keep their word. <laughs> Because they want one thing and God wants another. Verse 14, And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. Now therefore ye with the counsel signify to the chief captain that he bring him down unto you tomorrow as though ye would inquire something more perfectly concerning him and we or ever he come near are ready to kill him. And when Paul, Paul's sister's son, heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee. Then the chief captain took him by the hand and went with him aside privately and asked him, What is it that thou hast to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him of them more than forty men which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now are they ready looking for a promise from thee. So the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, See thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea, and horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred at the third hour of the night, and provide them beasts that they may set Paul on and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. We'll stop reading there. And again, a very simple message tonight, but let me just ask this as we get in the beginning. How many of you, and I, I kind of already asked this question, how many of you enjoy telling something to someone and then not being taken seriously. So you like to, you say, this is what's going on. This is what I think is happening. And someone says, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Isn't that enjoyable? Especially for young people, I think one of the complaints that might be often rendered is, nobody listens to me. I, why is it when I say something that I'm not listened to? I remember years ago, my mom telling the story about her and her dad. Now, she was an adult. 
And she said, I finally went to my dad. She said, I realized I would say things to my dad, and he just kind of let it go in one ear and out the other. And she said, it occurred to me one day, and she would refer to it as the Lord dealing with her, that when her dad would speak to her, that's how she listened to him, even as an adult. That she didn't take time to listen to what he had to say. So she called him one day, and I, I believe I got my facts right about this, and said, Dad, I want to ask you to forgive me. For years, I have not listened to you, so I don't know what it is you want me to hear from you, but I'm all ears. And she said it, the phone went silent. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. She said there was a turning point in their relationship because from that day forward, she purposed to listen to him with intention. And it changed everything in their relationship with each other. I wonder how much it does with us and God when we say, Lord, I read your Bible, but I kind of just I skim right through it. I'm not listening with intention. I'm not listening carefully. Again, tonight's message is much in reference to the last two weeks on Sunday night. We've talked about how we should listen uh, to, to counsel and instruction and what we should not listen to. And if we're not following those principles, I believe this often happens. I, I really do. With all of us, this is prone to happen. We go to God in prayer. We have something tremendously burdensome to us. We take it to God in prayer, and we don't see immediate response to our prayer. We think, I don't get it. I don't. God said, asking it shall be given. Seeking you shall find. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. And, and this is not the entirety of this message, but I want to say this in general about where I want to go this night. Uh, but what happens is we want God to listen to us intently, but we want to listen to Him passively. And that doesn't work that way. God wants us to learn to listen to Him with intention, listen to Him with diligence, and it's not a trade-off. It's God, I believe, withholds, so we'll learn to listen to Him. I believe prayer is not about God figuring out what we need. God already knows. It's about us figuring it out. But us learning to hear him as we communicate with him. And so having said all of that, from a human perspective, here's a little boy that when he spoke, the adults in his life moved on what he had to say. Now, our last point of the message will be his credibility. But his credibility is directly linked to his ear. And so let's go back and look at, first of all, our first point. We have three tonight. Our first point is his consciousness. This is a, he's a, he's a small enough boy. Let me just let me help you with this tonight. If I wanted to pull Casey aside here tonight, I wouldn't say, here, Casey, give me your hand. I wouldn't do that. Or Zeke. The only way I'm taking Casey's hand or Zeke's hand is like this, not like this. Come on, Zeke, let's take a walk. That ain't working, is it? Not for me or for you. That's going to make both of us real uncomfortable. I'm not grabbing their hand. Now, if it's Jansen... I'm going to say, come here, grab my hand. I'm going to lead him by the hand. The Bible says the young man in this story was small enough that the centurion had to take him by the hand and walk him over to the side and say, what is it you have to say to me? Now that tells me how small this child is, and yet, listen now, we don't know his name, but this kid made it into the pages of the Bible. How? He had really big ears, and I don't mean physically. But from a, from, a, from a biblical standpoint, I don't know where he was. I do know who he was. He's Paul's sister's son. He's a nephew to Paul. So he's blessed of God to be in that family, to have the kind of relationship. Wouldn't you like to know Paul well enough to walk up and say, Hey, Paul, can I talk to you? And he says, Sure, what can I do for you? Wouldn't that be a privilege? This, man did, this young boy didn't ask for that privilege. He was born into it, like many of you. You're born into some things you didn't ask for, but your parents are Christian, you have Christian people around you, God's been good to you. Uh, and so the fact of the matter is, if we're born again, we're born into the family of God. We have a great privilege. But here's what I do know. There's a conspiracy being made to kill Paul. I talked about at the beginning, there was a conflict. God says, 
I'm going to send you to Rome. Now, that was God's decision. He's going to accomplish it. But this little boy got to be part of what God was doing by doing one simple thing, listening intently to what he heard, retaining it, and being faithful with what he heard when he repeated it. And so his consciousness, let's see a few things. He was attentive. If you look in verse 15, or verse 16, and when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, again, I don't know where this took place. I don't know where they were making their conspiracy, but this little boy is walking through and he hears probably his uncle's name. And he goes, what? And they're conspiring to kill Paul. And he stops and he gets one shot at it. He doesn't get to say, excuse me, I didn't hear you the first time. Would you please repeat that? Right? If he does this, say, guys, I'm listening to you talk about my uncle Paul and I want to go tell him what you're saying, so please say it again. How many of us don't get what we hear the first time? But he did. So much so he could repeat it in detail when asked again what was said. So he is attentive. I'll say it again. Listening requires diligence. It requires diligence. How many of you believe through the, through the Bible reading that you're engaged in, through the Bible preaching you sit under, God has already completely provided for you everything you need to fulfill his will? Then why is it we don't always get it? Because many times God speaks and we didn't hear him. Many times God has something for us to have heard, some way in which to use us. We would be wise to be like this little boy and have ears that recognize when something is important. I understand he's not being given counsel at this point. We'll get to that in a minute. He's not being given advice. But he had ears that could recognize what I'm hearing is of significance and of value. If you and I give our ears to that which is worthless, we'll never pick up on that which is not. We'll end up having ears if we don't say, you know what, I'm going to listen to what's important. Here's what I believe. His attentiveness was directly attached to his affection. This little boy had love in his heart for Paul. You say, where does the Bible say that? As soon as he hears what they're going to do to his uncle Paul, he runs right to him and says, they're trying to kill you. That means he didn't want this to happen. And so, listen, here's what I started to say earlier. What we love will determine what we hear. I could prove that to you tonight with examples. I know some of you well enough. I could start incorporating things in this message that I know would wake you up and make you pay attention. Because where your heart is, there your treasure be also. I mean, where your treasure is, there your heart be also. What we love, we we pay attention to, right? If I start talking about Toyota Tacoma, somebody's going to pay attention. I got him, (laughs) right? You start talking about elk hunting, somebody else is going to pay attention. Where what we like and what we love gets our attention. You know why so many people don't hear about the things of God? God doesn't have their heart. They can't hear about the walk with the Lord and love for Christ because it doesn't matter. It's not what I'm listening for. If my heart is on earthly things, the only time I'm going to perk up in the preaching is when earthly things come up. If I'm all engaged and entangled in politics, then the preacher's going to have to preach about politics to get me to pay attention. Listen here, if I have an affection for the Lord, then when something is said about him, you and I understand, Paul's nephew had an affection for him. And so when Uncle Paul came up, ooh, it got his attention. If God is trying to speak to you tonight, what does he have to say to you to get your attention? That's why I think sometimes God touches the parts of our life that are in competition with him. Gets our attention, doesn't it? He starts dealing with some of our idols, and I know I'm getting a little off track here. I'm saying this, though. The little boy 
He was attentive. He's, I don't know if he's standing in the marketplace. I don't know where he was. That doesn't matter. What I do know is he is close enough to hear the conspiracy and it caught his attention because he had a heart for Uncle Paul. And so then his attentiveness was directed, was by his affection. Proverbs 4.23 once again says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You guard what your heart goes after. I'm glad for the account of a little boy in the Bible who had a love for his godly Uncle Paul enough so that when the situation came up where he could make a difference, he had ears to do so. And so again, the Bible says, and when Paul's sister's son, what's the next word? Heard. Heard of their lying in wait. He went and entered into the castle and told Paul. So his consciousness we see, of course, he was attentive, but his attentiveness was directed uh, by his affection for Paul. And then we find that his attentiveness and his affection led to action. He heard this was going to do to Paul, and immediately, he doesn't wait, he goes into the castle and goes directly to Paul and says, i got something to tell you. Let me try to make a practical application that's a little bit off of the point of our message tonight. Uh, and I really want to speak to you young people for a minute. There may be a time when you hear something and you recognize danger. So I'm going to give you some counsel and give you practice to put into practice what you've been hearing or give you an opportunity to put into practice what you're hearing. You may hear two other young people discussing something that you know is going to endanger them. If you love them, you go to someone that you know you can trust and tell. We used to have a rule in our house. When do you tattle on your siblings? And here's why you have to have rules. Because among sibling rivalry... There's a desire to tattle on the other one because you're irritated with them. It's a way to get back at them, right? So don't be a tattletale. That's, that's foolish. But I know of young people that, man, they, they are bound by blood. Oh, I'd never tell on my friend. I would never tell on my loved one or my, my brother or my sister. You know what? This little boy was a tattletale by some measure. He heard something that was endangering to someone he loved. And he said, then I'm going to go tell the one person I know I can trust. You listen, young people, you listen closely to me. There are going to be times in your life, because you're a young person, older persons will get loose with their tongues thinking that you don't matter. And you're going to hear things that God can use you to make a difference in. If you'll perk up and say, I heard, I heard, I'll be honest with you. I have some time in my youth that I wish I had implemented wisely what i'm preaching to you tonight because i was a youngster people said things that they would have never said around my dad but i knew that what was being said was dangerous for those involved and i wish i'd gone and said i heard this person say this i don't know what all it means but this is what was said so just some practical counsel to you tonight you young people if you ever hear something you have a sibling or you have a friend or or you hear adults saying something and harm is going to be done you have people in your life you know love you and that you can trust. This little boy had an uncle, and he said, if I can get to Uncle Paul, I know he'll know what to do. I'm on a warning. So just practically, if you hear something, you go to a person that you can trust, an adult, and you say, here's what I heard, and have good ears. And that's, by the way, that's when it is time to speak, isn't it? not time to speak when we can tell another juicy tale about somebody and make them look stupid. When it is time to speak is when we've heard something that could save somebody's life if we would just speak up. Amen? Absolutely. And so then he was attentive. His attentiveness was directed by his affection upon which he took action. He's a good listener. His ear caught something. He said, whoa, this is important. 
What wisdom in a little boy to be able to pick up on? That's an important conversation, and I know what to do with it. I'll take the information I got, and I'll take it directly to Uncle Paul. So he did. And so after he does this, we come to verse 16. Again, and when Paul's sister's son heard of their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto him and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a certain thing to tell him. Now we're beginning to look not only at his consciousness, but now at his cooperation. Uh, This is where the young man goes, No, I'm afraid. Right? How many of you guys would like to have a big burly soldier with all his armor on say, Oh, you're coming with me. You're you're so small you'll be led by the hand. You know what? He He has good ears and he's got a good heart because when Paul says, You're going with that guy... He does it, right? Let's keep reading. Uh, verse 18. So he took him, the young man, I was leaving Paul, and brought him to the chief captain and said, Paul the prisoner called me unto him and prayed me to bring this young man unto thee who hath something to say unto thee. So now the little boy has not only got to open his ears, now he's got to open his mouth and tell somebody he doesn't even know. How did he get in this situation? The one he trusted told him this is what you're going to do. So then... Uh, in uh, in verse 20, he begins to tell his tale. He says, what is it, uh, what is that thou hast to tell me? The end of verse 19. Verse 20, and he said, the Jews have agreed to desire thee that thou wouldest bring down Paul tomorrow into the council as, they, uh, as though they would inquire somewhat of him more perfectly. But do not thou yield unto them, for there lie in wait for him more than 40 men which have bound themselves with an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him and are now ready. And now are they ready looking for a promise from thee. So the young man's given some commandments, and this is where the application of our last two weeks comes in to play. He is told, uh, to the captain, the centurion's called, to so bring him. So basically what he's being told to do is you go and you tell your story to the chief captain. What does the boy do? This is complicated. He does it. He has a good ear, doesn't he? He knows how to listen to an instruction and follow through. I'll tell you what else tells us about his good ear. So we see his commandments and his compliance. But do you notice the clarity of his account here? What discrepancy is there between what is said in verses 12 through 15 and what the young man reports down here in the verses we've just read, verses uh, 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 20 and 21 and so forth? Is there any discrepancy? How many men was it that were lying in wait? Uh, What does the account say? Above 40. What does the boy say? He's got his facts right, doesn't he? You know what? When you're a good listener, you retain facts so that you can repeat facts when it's needful. You know what? How many of us know how easy it is to gossip? How easy it is to hear something juicy about someone, and by the time it makes full circle, some guy that got a speedy ticket is on his way for murder, on his way to prison for murder. Did you hear about that guy? He got pulled over. I know what's going on there. I've seen that car before. I know what car that is. That's a drug dealer. Drug dealers are murderers. And murderers run around here everywhere. And that guy's on his way to prison. Next thing you know, man, you got a tail as big as Texas. And how did it happen? Somebody was not a good listener, but they were a great talker. All right? That's not this young man. Good listeners are factual. He had heard every detail and retained it because it was important. You know what? If we're good listeners to the Bible, you, you will be able to quote verses verbatim because they're important to you. Not because you've repeated them 332 times in a row, 
but because you know they're important, you commit them to your memory because of, of where your heart is at. You've hidden them in your heart more than in your head. My point is this tonight. The little boy had great clarity in the account he gave, and that tells us the kind of listener he was. He has every detail specifically right. Again, verse 13, and they were more than 40 men that had made this conspiracy. And that's exactly what he says, I believe, in verse 21. But do not thou yield unto them for their lying weight of him more than 40 men. And the Bible says they had bound themselves with an oath in verse, 20, uh, verse 12. And he says in verse 21, and they have bound themselves with an oath. I mean, it is just an accurate account of what's going on. And so then we've seen his consciousness. He is attentive to what he hears about Paul because he has an affection for Paul. He acts on it correctly. There's a cooperation. He's given commandments and instructions by Paul and by the Roman soldier. And he's told, tell me, what do you have to say to me? And one of the things we have to always work with our children about, and I think most children do, when spoken to, speak back. Open up, say, somebody says, what is your name? Don't say, run, run, run. No, look in the eye. Open up, say your name, speak who you are. You know what? I believe, again, there's such a, a simple but profound, and this is true for us as adults as well. If we want to be heard when we speak, then we need to have ears to hear when something is being said of importance. Ear for important facts, ears for instructions and commandments. This young man listened carefully. He complied carefully. Great clarity in the account he gave without hesitation. And yet he's young enough that he had to be led by the hand. I tell you what. I don't know who Paul's sister was, but I respect her. Somebody taught this little boy, listen and follow instruction, do as you're told, be respectful, listen well, speak honestly and accurately. You don't get there as a little boy without somebody teaching and training that into you. Man, that's not, that's a, that's not a whole message tonight, but that's a, that's a good point. So young people, you want people to listen to you when you speak. Then listen carefully to the truth of God's word, listen carefully to what you hear. Make sure you have the facts. Make sure you only speak when you need to speak. One of the great lessons about our Lord and Savior as a 12-year-old boy in the temple uh, when he is there and he's left behind by Joseph and Mary is the Bible says that he was listening and answering questions. Do you realize this little boy was doing the exact same thing? Exact same thing. Young people, and this, is, this message is especially for young folks tonight. If we're not careful, we constantly want to be heard. We want to be heard. We want to be heard. We want to be heard. And the more you try to be heard, the less you will be. In our youth, we need to learn to listen and answer questions. That's a Bible principle. Learn to listen and answer questions. And that's what this boy did. You know what happened? How many times did they say, ah, he's just a kid? Is that what happened? No way. Because of his, conscience, his consciousness and his cooperation, he had credibility. He had credibility. As a little boy, I think it was evident this kid is not your average kid. He's got something to say, and we need to listen to what he has to say. Uh, and by the way, you're talking about pagan Roman soldiers. These aren't even saved men, but they listen to him. I believe this. Can I make another application to you young people? How many young people want to lead people to Christ? Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is, this is not profound, but I think this is wisdom. If you go out with us, we go knock on doors and beat on doors, and some adult answers the door and say, you know what, I want to tell you a thing or two. And you start sassing some adult about how they're on their way to hell, turn or burn. You're not going to succeed at winning those people to Christ. And you say, you're a little punk and you're not going to talk to me that way. But I do believe children can win adults to Christ by listening closely and answering accurately. 
You know, we have Roman soldiers who, when this little boy spoke, they moved an army of men on the word of a little boy. He had credibility. Because he listened well, both to what he had heard factually and to the instruction and command. May I say this? There are adults in this room that would say, when I see a child that is, is an obedient child, that is attentive to the instruction of the adults in their life, respectful and accurate in what they say, that gets my attention. Is that normal? So you know what? Young people want to be heard, be good hearers. I believe it's true for us as adults as well. I'm a 40-year-old man. When I speak to an 89-year-old man, you know what I am? I am a child, and I have to remember that. And I find my credibility comes not from what I say and how much I say, but how much I listen. Amen? There's a, there's a truth in this tonight. So uh, his credibility, a couple of things. He prospered. What was this kid's goal? He wants to save Paul's life. Does he not? That's his goal. I believe he did by applying in a very practical way the principles we've been hearing for the last couple of weeks. He prospered in that he was taken seriously. When he gave his report to Paul, Paul said, here's what we're going to do about it. Get the centurion, come here. You go with him, tell him what happened. He did exactly what he was told. And so he's taken seriously and Paul's life was spared. Now we already know that was going to happen because that was God's plan. But guess who he used to get it done? A little boy who knew how to listen. He prospered and he was profitable. You know what I believe? I believe this is because this is recorded in Scripture, what this little boy did had eternal value. You know why? Because it's part of God's eternal plan. God said, I want Paul to preach at Rome, and I'm going to use that little boy to make sure it gets done. Is it, is it actually possible tonight that God is using young people in this room to accomplish eternal things in the lives of other people? It's not only possible that's his plan. Well, then what do I do to make sure that happens? Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. Be attentive to what matters. Follow the instructions that you're given by your God-given authority and watch what God can do with your life. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Let's, let's consider quickly before we close. What other option might have this little boy come to or a solution might he have come to other than going directly to Paul and confiding in him and then listening to and following instructions. What other response could he have had to what he heard? He might have been attentive and heard, they're going to try to kill my Uncle Paul. I'll tell you what he could... What's that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to straighten those guys out myself. That would have worked, wouldn't it? <laughs> How about this? I'm going to go and tell all my friends what I heard down there at the castle. I'm going to repeat it to all my friends. Yes? How would that have worked? No, that wouldn't have got anything done. He went to his authority, and his authority said, here's what you do, and then he followed instructions, and God used that boy's obedience to accomplish an eternal purpose. Amen? I told you it's a simple message tonight, but with profound impact on our lives. This is practical. We live here every day. We live here every day where there's things we need to hear and ways we need to respond May God help us to be diligent, disciplined hearers and doers of his word.